Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Good. Well, here we are with Jody Emery. Thank you for coming today. Jody Emery, you are the cannabis civil liberties and human rights activists yep, of Canada. Years. Yep, I've been doing uh, this quite like, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of people know you. You have 53,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, and those are totally genuine. I have uh, an international, I don't want to say following, but I'm known internationally. I'm in, yeah. in a museum right now that was in Amsterdam and Barcelona for women in cannabis. Like I have definitely, I speak abroad as well. So yeah, yeah I've been doing this for a long enough time and loudly enough, I guess, that I've gotten a, a fair amount of attention uh, based on the message that I'm sharing. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. We got lots to cover. We. I'm just going to quickly rattle off some of the things that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about um, the famous uh, tweet that uh, Justin Trudeau put out when cannabis became legal last mm-hmm. year, where he basically made reference to the fact that uh, you know now it's it's safer for minors and it's getting rid of uh, the gangs and criminals. I want to talk about 420. I want to talk about taxation of cannabis mm-hmm. in Canada how the current structure is working now with uh, stores and retailers because uh, it differs from province to province. I want to talk about your husband. I don't know if we'll even have time to cover all this. I want to talk about your <laughs> husband who served five years in federal prison, I understand, yeah, yeah. in the United States. Talk about your political activism, your environmental uh, views, um, youth and education, and uh, talk about maybe about, talk about your your cannabis culture store. Yeah, cannabis okay. culture, culture, a lot of stuff yeah. there. <laughs> and, uh, and and maybe some other things that you've got ideas for. So let's start off talking about one of the things you brought up was the idea um, from a legal perspective of uh, expunging, I think is the right word, um, people who have had historically um, criminal records related to minor offenses related to you know, possession of cannabis, I think is where you were going when, before Absolutely. we started filming. Can you talk about this? Absolutely. Um, well, cannabis activists who have been on the front lines for a long time, the reason we wanted to legalize cannabis was because the law that prohibits it and criminalizes it causes far more harm than cannabis itself. So families are torn apart, people are given records, they lose their jobs, their kids, their housing. So the harm caused by the law and the criminal records that happen because of the consequences of the law Uh, That's one of the biggest harms, and we need to end that. So legalization should mean liberation for all the victims of prohibition. If you're a peaceful, nonviolent person who engaged with cannabis, you should not be deemed a criminal because cannabis should never have been criminalized in the first place. We need to recognize that with legalization, that no one should have been criminalized in the first place. But unfortunately, the government is really trying hard to perhaps cover their butts, or I don't know what it is, but they don't want to admit that criminalization was wrong, even though they hint towards it, because they still have criminal penalties in place. And there are, in fact, even harsher penalties and more laws, more enforcement budgets against cannabis now under legalization uh, than there was before. So the government doesn't want to recognize that all the people with criminal records should be liberated, and therefore they've only put forward legislation and the possibility for people to get a pardon. And these pardons are not actual record uh, erasures. They're just, they're briefly taken away. They can be reinstated. They're not effective at the border. And only 44 Canadians so far have even bothered to apply. And meanwhile, over the history of cannabis prohibition in Canada, over 2 million people have had criminal records and been arrested and been harmed by the law. So 2 million over all the time that we've had. So legalization should mean amnesty, 
It should mean freeing people from these criminal records. And I know that the first step is going to be for pardons and or amnesty for possession. The mm. conversation is only around possession, simple possession. And that's good because most Canadians who have records have it for possession. But then you have a whole other group of people, and I'm included in this group. Uh, we have convictions for trafficking. Now, trafficking could be just passing a joint with no money exchanged. And Mark Emery served three months in Saskatoon for passing a joint, no money exchanged. So you can actually get in trouble for that. And people do have those records. So all of the dispensaries that opened up and all of the growers and access providers who have been charged with trafficking and growing cannabis, we need our records expunged too. So as long as you're peaceful and nonviolent, you should no longer be deemed a criminal. I know it will take time to get to that. So for now, there's an organization I'm part of I'm called Cannabis Amnesty. And you can find them on Twitter and Instagram. And it's uh, cannabisamnesty.ca. And that's, an, that, that, that's a group of lawyers, civil liberties advocates, uh, political representatives, and big business uh, in cannabis, all rallying behind the message that we should not be punishing people for possession. And that's step one. Okay. Now, Murray Rankin, who's no longer MP, but he recently, he'd been uh, MP of Van, uh, for Victoria, who's now been um, uh, replaced in this latest election by another uh, NDP um, uh, riding, uh, which is Laurel Collins. And, uh, and, and Murray was quite, um, he, he was quite That's vocal good, about yeah. this. He was, he, I think he actually presented a private member's bill in, mm-hmm. in Ottawa to, to start this process. His argument was that, um, that just the application itself alone to get expunged or to pr- start, try and start, do this process mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a small criminal record is quite prohibitive. Like I think yeah. it's like $700, $800 yeah, or something you still need like legal assistance. You still have to get like fingerprints. There's all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff involved with it. Yeah. And it's really difficult because for many people who have simple possession, they also have another charge. And if you have any other charge at all, you can't be eligible. So Right. So your idea is to at least take people who have no other charges, the only charge they have against them is simple possession of a small amount of marijuana. Well, that's, that's a starting first, point. That's, that's what everyone's willing to accept. For Uh me, I believe we need to expunge and erase all the records of everyone with any connection with cannabis whatsoever, as long as there's nothing violent in their history. Okay. So that includes me and most everyone else. And you know, what's interesting is the liberal... So what if you were, just to be a devil's advocate, don't mind interrupting for a second. So I can can get that. I can can get to there with somebody who, you know, just want, want to be able to smoke marijuana themselves and maybe they had some, they bought some. What about if you are like a second or third level, you know, Hell's Angels, uh, you know, member, maybe you're not a full patch, mm-hmm. but you, you're part of that criminal organization from five, six years ago, mm-hmm. where you maybe yourself don't have a criminal record of violence yet, mm-hmm. um, or you haven't been caught, but it's pretty obvious that you're part of an organized crime group um, you know, the police have ca- tra- tracked you enough. I mean, what would you say to something like that? Well, of course they shouldn't be involved, but there's a few points to really point out here. Yeah. Um, Liberal Party keeps talking about organized crime being involved in cannabis, but the Justice Department statistics show 95% of every cannabis record, every case that went to court for cannabis, including trafficking, growing, yeah. 95% are nonviolent, non-connected to gangs, no affiliation with organized crime, otherwise law-abiding. That's otherwise law-abiding in quotes, from the Justice Department of Canada, they said only 5% of cannabis cases have gangs or organized crime involved okay. because it's the hard drugs that they're involved with. The cannabis industry is massive and peaceful. Secondly, blame government for prohibition. If the government criminalizes something, who's going to be involved with it? 
criminals. So they create the criminal market through criminalization. Yeah. If they totally legalized it, gangsters wouldn't have a job because all the ordinary citizens would be able to take advantage of those opportunities instead. When the government puts in place really tough penalties and punishments and increase the risk, they increase the reward for right. engaging in behavior. So the riskier it is, the more like that you incentivize dangerous, violent people to get involved. And so the government of Canada, the Liberals, changed our maximum for cannabis from seven years to 14 years. They increased it. That means no house arrest. That means no lesser sentences for judges. And that means gangsters and bad people who don't give a damn if they get shot in the street, they'll take the risk because now the good participants, good old mom and pop, Canadian BC growers, they're not going to engage anymore because the penalties are way too severe. So when the government creates restricted punitive laws, they're actually incentivizing and rewarding dangerous people. But again, only 5% are connected to gangs. And then the final point to make is... Have we heard of a place called Montreal and Quebec and the fact that gangsters and mobsters are involved with every aspect of business, restaurants, bars? Um, we know from an enquête investigation in Quebec from CBC, they looked at it and found that the mobster families were all involved in these licensed producers of cannabis legally, the legal producers. And we know that they get involved with it because they get involved with all business and all areas, trucking, construction, sure, the port of Vancouver, like we get it. So organized crime, all this like going on and on about about it. It's just a bunch of hype and nonsense from the government to try and justify the increased punishments and penalties and law enforcement budgets that they've put in place. Well, then, in, in your view, okay, so if that's okay, let's assume that I would agree with you for a moment on that. What, then what do you what do you think the rationale is behind why the government's putting up so much resistance over what a lot of people are advocating is this pretty logical step forward, which well, is expunging. Why do you think they're doing that? Because they don't want to acknowledge that it's criminally wrong. And you know, Ralph Goodale, who also lost his seat, he's the public safety minister. You know, he was asked, why won't you expunge records? Why are you only doing pardons? And he said, because we're reserving expungement only for cases like um, homophobic laws, where gay men were given criminal records. We're expunging those records because it was a great historical injustice, quote unquote. So we can't do that for cannabis because cannabis isn't a great historical injustice. But Bill Blair, MP Bill Blair, former Toronto police officer who oversaw G20, mass civil arrest and violations of all kinds. Uh, Bill Blair, in charge of legalization, parliamentary secretary to the justice minister and attorney general, he said, quote unquote, cannabis law enforcement has been one of Canada's great historical injustices in that it's racially um, biased and, you know, obviously enforced in a way that's targeting minorities so the government acknowledges on the one hand when they want to get votes they acknowledge the truth and trudeau himself on vice news when i was there with him and bill blair you know we had a special and a young black man said well i was arrested at a dispensary and your brother mr trudeau got his record thrown out and why can't we all have our records thrown out and trudeau was like you're right it's not really fair you know and admitted the unfairness so they admit the unfairness to sound progressive to pretend that they want to legalize it because they all have shares in the companies and they all run the companies. Um, but then they actually want to continue criminalizing it and they have these tough new laws. Like I said, they increased the maximum from 7 to 14. We used to have eight laws against cannabis federally. Now it's 45, hence the name C-45, the Cannabis Act bill. And now they increased the law enforcement across Canada. It used to be half a billion. And Trudeau said that himself. 
Now it's an additional billion on top of that, including 245 million federally, plus all the municipal and provincial police forces. So these are all recently new laws? Massive new laws. As of when? As of the Cannabis Act, as of legalization. Legalization changed things to be more criminalized. Because the government needed to keep saying, oh, it's gangsters, it's criminals, be afraid, be afraid. But that's not true. And everyone kind of knew it wasn't true, but the government has lied about it enough so that they could justify tougher laws to scare away all the good people. That's why BC's cannabis industry has been, it's getting hit hard. All the dispensaries are gone. Like nothing that was supposed to be legalized is legal. And now in BC, you know, we have a money laundering problem and all these issues. Well, the BC Solicitor General, Mike Farnworth, he put out a 44 new police full-time cannabis enforcement called the Community Safety Unit. Safety about what? Nobody's being hurt by cannabis. Cannabis is helping people and they're taking it away from people who need it. So we have a budget for 44 full-time cops to go after pot now that it's legal, quote unquote. Um, So all across the country, you have new joint task force units. You have the alcohol monopolies in each province controlling the cannabis trade. And we had hoped to prevent that when we went to the Supreme Court of Canada with the Como case for the Free the Beer. I was an official intervener in, in the Supreme Court on that case with cannabis culture saying, don't let the government monopolize wholesale control of cannabis by province because then you have a lot of costs and a lot of wasted taxpayer dollars setting up a giant bureaucracy that's totally unnecessary but anyway point being they've made these tough laws and increased punishments across the board including fines up to a million dollars and many years in jail time and even in british columbia if you grow your legal plant on your patio you can go to jail for a year like there's laws that are really now, aren't tough. Are you allowed here. to grow? No, your you're own. not. Well, you are if you own your own home. Uh, but if it's visible to the public, our provincial regulations say that you can get a jail time and a giant fine. You're not allowed to have it visible to the public. So, so is it fair to say then that you're not happy with? Not the new, at all. Okay. I, I call this fake legalization <laughs> and a new prohibition. It's basically an increase in the criminalization. The only thing that the government legalized was the ability for governments and big corporations to produce and sell marijuana themselves and to allow law enforcement to work as the strong men for the government to go shut down the competition. That's why all these government monopolies where they do all the business themselves funded by taxpayer dollars are completely unfair because you have small local entrepreneurs and business people like myself. I don't have millions of dollars sitting around. I don't even have a half million. I don't even have 10,000 sitting around. How do I pay the $40,000 just to apply to get a license for a weed store? Why don't I just open up a booze store instead and sell poison that kills people and causes crime every night you know when it's so much cheaper and that's not fair so the the unfairness in the laws and regulations uh, you know we have prohibitive laws that have created a new form of prohibition that makes it impossible for people to realize all the benefits they should and increases the cost to taxpayers it's it's a total disaster in my opinion okay (laughs) (laughs) so but i'm trying to fix it i have a lot of good to say too but We'll okay. get to that. <laughs> so, so I talked. To, we we've already gone into the criminal aspect and the gangs. And Justin Trudeau, we have that tweet there that he wrote. Um, and did you find it there, Ross? Um, the goals is, are the first to protect yeah. the kids, and right now we know that young people have easier access to marijuana than just about any other illicit substance. It's easier to buy a joint for a teenager than it is to buy a bottle of beer. That's yeah. not right. Yeah. So that's you not know the what? tweet. Maybe you can try and find it, Ross. But even but, uh, all the stuff let, he says about kids yeah, and teens yeah. and stuff so, is not. So basically, he said in this tweet, this is this would have been back when. Um, I think he sent it the day, he published it the day after. When was cannabis illegalized? Was uh, it October 1st of, 17th last year. October so 17th. I it was the 31st. So that was like 
surprise on Halloween, wasn't it? Maybe. Uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Like they changed the date a lot. At one point it was supposed to be around 420, I think, and it was going to be July. And then, I mean, part legal of what? But yeah. He's yeah. always talking yeah, this about, is it here. about yeah. the kids. It's too it's easy for too kids, easy to, for get kids to get marijuana. And for criminals to reap the profits, today we changed that. Oh, Our plan is to legalize and regulate marijuana that just passed in the Senate. That's right. the one. That sort so, of stuff. It's such nonsense. I mean, so <laughs> do you actually think that it's safer for kids today? To, like to, in what, what, what do you mean? Okay, look, I got, I've got three young kids. Mm-hmm. I've got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. Arguably, when my seven-year-old turns around 10 or 11, or I mean, call her 12 years old, mm-hmm she will probably be able to get access to cannabis in mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. Um, you know, it's usually and, through friends and yeah, older siblings sure, sure. and schoolmates. And, and I, I would assume that you would agree with me that any child smoking anything or consuming any kind of alcohol uh, at they that age, is, they shouldn't do that. Right. It's very terrible for their mental growth. Absolutely. So my question to you would be, assuming he's talking about minors, he's talking about, he mm-hmm. says the word kids. My yeah. view, a kid is 12, 13 years old. I'm not talking about a yeah. 17 year old like, or an yeah, 18 year old. 12, 13, you know? you're preteen. So and then preteen. You're, yeah, yeah. So do you think that it's true what he's, what Justin Trudeau is saying, which is that it's harder now for a child to get access to cannabis than it was say a year ago? No, because prohibition do you think doesn't it's easier? work. No, I wouldn't say it's even it's easier. I'd say it's the same. It's the same. People have always gotten the read from their friends. I mean, that's how it starts in high school. Your 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 a, a student will say, "Hey, my older brother has a stash," or they find their parents that, or they find it's just around. But the idea that there's gangsters and criminals hanging out at the playground, their trench coat, being like, "Hey, Johnny, come buy yeah. some weed," it's like that's so ridiculous. Can you make the argument though but, that there's far more cannabis being produced in Canada today than there was, say, two years ago? Is that, I is suppose that a fair yes, if because you, you if you add in all the legal licensed producers, course, that's yeah. additional pot being grown on top of the. So there's just a massive, greater amount of supply floating around in the yeah. Canadian market, and it's also lost a huge stigma of being something mm-hmm. that's bad, something that's illegal because it's, it's yeah. no longer whether you want to consume it's no, bad right. or not, it's, it's, it's no longer the illegal. Percept- so there's a lot of people out there who might have, you know, wanted to try it, yeah. but would never touch mm-hmm. it because they're, you know, they, they believe that you got to stick to the letter of the law. 100%. And now those people are going, oh, actually, you know, this is not so bad, yeah. you know. Um, my point being is that, to, in my view, I think it's the opposite. I actually mm-hmm. think this legalization of cannabis has not made it safer for kids. It's made it more accessible i think it's the opposite well, and i'm not i'm not saying yeah. that's a bad or good thing i'm just saying i think that he's factually way off base here fair point i mean if there's more pot being grown there's more pot available which means available to all so that makes sense but one positive about it being normalized and that's normalized in the canadian public perception the government is still demonizing it like it's all propaganda and lies all the packaging has misinformation and, and fear-based lies on it so and we're challenging that in court but um you know the government wants to keep scaring people about cannabis being dangerous uh, but it's not hurting kids. Like kids aren't being hurt by it. If a, if a young person consumes a brownie or an edible by accident, they might get nauseous and throw up, but it's going to be safer for them than any pharmaceuticals, than any Advils, any of the alcohol that has no warning labels and no childproof lids mm-hmm. on any booze container whatsoever. It's safer than the Tide Pot. Okay, so and, l- so, I, so I, I'd say like, we don't want, I'm not saying give pot to kids. Yeah. Nobody's the advocate for that, except actually... Doctors and parents and governments around the world are giving cannabis to kids. It's helping kids with ADHD and 
epilepsy and all sorts of ailments. So cannabis is actually medicine for all people and it doesn't cause more psychosis or problems in young people. In fact, I tweet all the time, the biggest studies that have ever been done over 20 years, meta giant studies, they've analyzed it. Cannabis is not harmful for adolescents. And I can retweet all these things again, or you can search Jody Emery teens and you'll find massive threads where I share all the research into sure. psychosis and mental illness. So we need to not be so afraid about cannabis because what happens is... Okay, so is, cannabis from a me- medical perspective, Jody, that's one thing. Yeah, but recreational but too. Like okay, it's but a let's, safer okay, choice. Okay, like me, kids are you, doing me, alcohol and it causes all sorts of horrible things to happen. And oh, if we oh want, I don't disagree with you right, at all. But if we want to talk about young people on drugs, we need to talk about the drugs that are actually hurting them. And that's alcohol and pharmaceuticals. And that's be what's all of the okay. Cannabis is a safer choice. Mm-hmm. Young people and all human beings have a desire to alter our state of consciousness. And if they're not going to get drugs, they're going to either huff bags of gasoline or, or choke themselves old? or spin themselves around on a, on a playground toy until they get dizzy and fall over. Young people and all human beings have a desire to get a little high or have a little fun. I'm not saying give drugs to kids. So yeah. this is one of the most no, difficult not, conversations. Try- but I will I'm not say, trying to peg you as you're but doing I will that. Say, no, I know, but I will say, I, as a young person, I was exposed to cocaine and I had problems with it and cannabis saved me and helped me get off of cocaine. I was also put on antidepressants, effects or pharmaceutical drugs, which really caused a lot of problems for me and cannabis helped me get off of that too. There's a ton of evidence to show that cannabis is the safer choice when it comes to recreational fun like alcohol and all the other drugs that are out there and when it comes to medical drugs and, and opiates and pharmaceuticals. So cannabis is safer and we need to talk about that. We can't keep demonizing it. Otherwise, people will say, well, I read that if I smoke a joint, I might go insane. So I'm going to slam back some alcohol instead. <laughs> right. And like that alcohol is actually going to cause psychosis. Yeah. But that's the that's the result. This so is the a terrible rationale. Right. And the government keeps saying it's dangerous. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. That's going to scare people away from using it for fun or for rec- or for medicine. So I really yeah. think we need to smash the stigma and talk about what cannabis actually is. And if young people do get access to cannabis, we need to talk about why they're using it. But there are studies like at UBC, they looked at at risk youth and these are young people like preteens who are in unstable environments or likely to use hard drugs later on and end up in the downtown east side. Like, so at risk youth, they did a massive study and found that those at risk youth who use cannabis every day were far less likely to end up using harder drugs. So it is so it's harm. not a gateway drug. It's, not a, it's a gateway out. And there's a lot of research being done into this right now. And that's really exciting. And that's one of the benefits. So my whole life as a, as, a, as a child growing up, I was born in 74. So all my years from like the, all the 80s and 90s. You got the whole just say no the, period. I, yeah, exactly. I was told it was a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, for full disclosure, I never touched uh, cannabis or marijuana my entire life. I think I tried it. I've tried it twice, maybe, maybe three times uh, when I was like three. Want to make it four? No, I'm joking. <laughs> this is Joe, Joe Rogan, Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um, I should take this tie off. Relax. Um, <laughs> But uh, but um, I was always told it was a gateway drug. Yeah, me you don't, too. You, you don't believe that. Well, you know what's funny is you feel, you in think high it's a school, gateway out of it's a gateway out of other drugs. I'd say alcohol is the gateway drug, and or even cigarettes, or uh-huh. even junk food. You know, cheese stuff that gives so you. So you pleasure. actually put you put cannabis as a cannabis is safer than coffee. I'd say like coffee is actually. It can kill you. Caffeine mm-hmm. can kill you if you take caffeine. Well, I personally killer. think I don't drink coffee. I personally think that coffee is the world's biggest drug. Oh, absolutely, I mean, I think and it's more addictive. People addicted to, to coffee than anything. Else. Let's go back because I love this talk yeah, conversation. Yeah, but 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 let's go back. Let's to... go back to that tweet, though. Yeah, yeah. So 
Is it, would you agree with me then in saying that he's wrong when he says that it's safer for kids now? I'd say he's wrong. I'd say he's wrong about everything and that, you know, the tougher, the tougher <laughs> they made the laws, like the whole legalization thing, okay, it's about, so sad because Trudeau, when he yeah. first got dragged into it, you know, he voted for mandatory minimums when Harper's government put it forward and we all gave him grief about that because we're uh-huh. like, you're a stoner. And then he admitted he used marijuana himself and passed it. So he's trafficked marijuana and admitted it as a member of parliament <laughs> and Mark went to jail for three months. So you have that hypocrisy. Then he said- it is a hypocrisy. Yeah, and then he said we need to decriminalize because we need to stop giving out criminal records and stop wasting half a billion dollars a year on enforcement. Those were his original messages. And then it got warped when the police chief was put in charge because if you look at cannabis enforcement and all law enforcement, you know, out of all federal drug crimes, I think it's 72% of all federal, sorry, all federal crimes entirely, all of them, 72% are for drugs. And the vast majority of those are for cannabis, and the majority of that is for possession. So when you look at the Stats Canada charts, which I, which I share a lot too, it shows that the bulk of police work is for cannabis, and then most of that's for possession. So if you really legalize cannabis, two-thirds of all policing work would be unnecessary and eliminated. But that data has got to be from before legalization. It's, I mean, it's from many years, and it is from before, but, I'm, I mean, but now they have... I possess marijuana now, Up to it? 30 grams, but if it's not from the government, it's illegal. If you possess over 31 grams, But realistically, how many people are getting uh, arrested or fined for this data? Now people are getting different possession. They've just shifted uh-huh. possession into possession in a vehicle. So even if you're not smoking mm-hmm. it, but the it's in the bag on the back seat, yeah. and you get pulled over for any other reason But even those numbers it, have got to be a fraction in I mean, Ontario in BC things are not so bad uh-huh. in Ontario things seem at this rate so far that I've seen it's just being shifted to different types of enforcement and then right. there's the massive raids on dispensaries and cannabis access providers that's a huge part okay, of let's enforcement. jump in this is a great segue Jody thank you for that so the retail cannabis mm-hmm. space in Canada is a mess mm-hmm. um, and in fact I, I mean this is where I'm going to give you my political view I think that um, whether, whether you want to argue we should have legalized cannabis or not, I think the rollout that uh, was uh, precipitated by Justin Trudeau and liberals was absolutely terrible. Yeah. I think that, um, personally, I think we should have waited and seen some other jurisdiction other than the Netherlands has been around forever do this first and take lessons from them. Mm-hmm. But the way in which Justin Trudeau basically pushed this through but then left it for the provinces to basically police and enforce has been a disaster. And if you look at Ontario... Um, of course, Doug Ford's made it a point of basically putting egg in the face of Justin Trudeau by having these very limited number of legal retail stores, mm-hmm. lottery system that's had all sorts of problems. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. as a result, from what I've understood, and this is just anecdotal you know, evidence, is that there's more criminal activity going on now than ever before because the criminals and the gangsters and the grow-up operators that have been able to do this, they maybe have been doing this for years, but now can do it basically without having anybody looking at them because I'd say it, it's different actually because the enforcement no? is heavier now on the on the pre-existing market and it's because now the government is in business competition with us so it's cartel style mm. enforcement before right. the government just wanted to get rid of it now they want to do it themselves and they have an entire police force with endless taxpayer funded budgets to make sure that happens and that's what we're seeing so if you're not like, running a licensed can there's not very mm-hmm. many licensed stores in on, Ontario it's almost impossible to get how many one. licensed stores are there today do you know uh, well the only I think we just went over a list and there was like 15 in Ontario, like 10 yeah. or it was tiny. It was tiny. like 15 and then the latest lottery was another yeah. 45 or so. And, and even that's all just, it's, oh, it's the whole system is, oh, it's, I don't even know where to begin. It's like a messy room and it's like, where do you start? Like okay, top Which province or has the best system today? 
Hmm. Okay. When it comes to retail, not a, I'm not saying a good system. Just saying the best. Yeah. Out, out of, of out of all the crummy, crummy systems, yeah. <laughs> the least crummy <laughs> is I'd say Alberta has done well in that they're opening up stores based on market demand. Yeah. So. It's like any other business, you know, open up a pizza parlor. If you're a really good pizza parlor, people are going to come to you. If you don't make good pizza, people won't go so to you. So you like the idea of a free market. Absolutely. And that's what the real cannabis industry always was. So these. So the, Alberta I, has effectively a free market. Hundreds option. of stores, apparently. Yeah. Apparently like 200 in Calgary or something is what I yeah. just heard. So they're so opening they're, it up. So Alberta's adopted. It makes sense because if you look at Alberta's t- um, alcohol s- uh, distribution mm-hmm. system, it's been privatized for many years. Yeah. By contrast, you have the LCBO, and or it's now changed its name, but um, in Ontario, Ontario cannabis store. Yeah. yeah. And then you have, um, uh, and then you have also in BC, you have um, Lick, our liquor, li- liquor, liquor distribution. <laughs> yeah, yeah li- they'll have LCB, different names. Yeah, gambling, guns, distribution branch, liquor. It sounds like yeah. a good place to be at. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so you're you're a big fan of free market. So you'd like yes. to see the Albertas. Now, my question to you would be: To what level of free market should there be in cannabis mm-hmm. uh, retail? Government like, should just get out of our way. And I've been saying recently, like, so we, so should government regulate about where cannabis stores actually operate? I mean, for example, here in BC, like in Vancouver, for example, mm-hmm. downtown Vancouver, because you can't set up in BC a retail right. store. Well, I mean, you probably know these rules better yeah, than I do, uh, but you can't <laughs> you can't sit up um, within 300 meters of a one. elementary school. Yeah, or any anywhere kind of school. kids might be. Uh, but also, also these centers, right? Like yeah, the downtown east side, basically, it's almost impossible. Well, they to made have. that all a no-go zone entirely because they said that's a vulnerable population. But right. recently, a, an amendment was put forward by Rebecca Bly, Councillor Bly, based Rebecca, on information yeah. I put forward to them at the Opioid Task Force, saying that cannabis dispensaries reduce opioid deaths by up to 33 percent. So shutting down dispensaries is bad and the downtown east side needs these more than anyone else. So that's positive that they're going to hopefully open Do you think it's a good idea up. to keep cannabis stores away from elementary schools? No, I think it's ridiculous. Kids are walking by liquor stores and also kids buy candy where cigarettes are sold. You know, kids go to a restaurant and there's slushy booze drinks with little toy monkeys on top. They go home at Christmas and there's booze filled chocolates and you go to any liquor store and it's nothing but cartoon drawings and jokes about booze and like I've seen outside the wine rack in Ontario people dressed up in grapes like balloons like a grape costume handing out free wine can, samples can you right on the a, sidewalk can you set up a, um, a cold beer and wine store near an elementary school I don't know nearby don't know. not nearly as restrictive as cannabis but then there's also yeah. the bizarreness of the interesting to know the rules on that yeah and it's BC. not nearly as um, restricted I think it might be 150 meters huh. or 100 meters but what you also have is in Vancouver places like the BC Compassion Club Society which yeah. has been around forever they're one of the first they are the first dispensary in Canada. They got a board of variance um, approval to allow them to operate across from a school because because they, they can, because they should be able to. I think we should be regulating cannabis like coffee. Coffee is addictive. It's for adults only, but we don't ID because who's selling espresso shots to a five-year-old? And right. what five-year-old is walking into a store asking for a coffee anyway? Sure. And as cannabis becomes more normalized and it's kids don't really want it, like the idea that little kids are walking around mm-hmm. looking for weed, you know, the ones who are drawn to it are those who 
are looking for something that's subversive and alternative. So that's why more marijuana being available doesn't mean more young people using it. It actually makes it less cool. And when your mom and dad are talking about CBD and cannabis right. around the table, it's, it's like, like, oh tattoos. my God. I don't, exactly. It's like, I don't want to do it if mom and dad are doing it. Dang, we got to find something else to do. Um, I'd prefer young people stick with cannabis than any of the other harmful things, the many harmful things that are out there that young people engage in. Um, but again, normalize it, get kids aware of it, stop hiding it because keeping it mysterious and keeping it hidden behind windows that are all fogged out it does serves to make it more attractive yeah. like that we always knew that saying just say no always had the effect of kids saying yes like they want to find it like oh not to <laughs> tell me officer tell exactly. me which tell me all the names i want to look for i got to make sure it looks like this and it'll do this to me thank you i mean that's ridiculous my 3 year olds like that already yeah well and don't I, touch that and then he right? goes over and wants to touch it yes absolutely know? and you know so we need to stop <laughs> being so um prohibitive about cannabis we need to make it so common and mainstream and available that it's boring you know um here's the bylaw by the way so uh right now a bylaw requires liquor stores to be 300 meters apart and 100 so two liquor stores can't be closer than 150 (laughs) meters from public and private if you're a restaurant or you're on granville street where they literally shut down granville street because it becomes a war zone like if all those bars were weed stores on the weekends on granville very different vibe far less assault and Assaults so, of all kinds, so all sorts of problems. Do you think there should be any regulation around where liquor we stores or cannabis stores regu- are yeah, so associated basics. to playgrounds and and schools? Just don't let them in. Don't let the, like don't let the kids in. It's nineteen plus at the door; they can't come in. So you're like, okay if you, had a, if you had a if this if you had a playground yeah. on one side of the street. Uh, you to be okay with a cannabis store or a liquor store well, being right across the kitty yeah corner? because there's really? drug stores across the street there's pills of all kinds yeah, but in be, the same but, but, store but drug stores i mean drugs are they're regulated you think right? kids you aren't already seeing cannabis somehow that if they if, when they walk to I'm school not, I, from i'm talking about a playground like no, but a play, four, okay 14 year olds 15 year olds don't go to playgrounds okay, playgrounds, playgrounds like, are, what, like my what? kid my my daughter is seven and she's she doesn't she's we probably have maybe two two years left and she's not going to go to the playground anymore. okay and so does she know what a weed leaf is or have any interest in going into a weed store like if she sees well, it if across but, from the playground or on the way to the playground what's the difference or when you're in the car driving to the airport and there's a weed store there or when you go out for dinner with your family and oh you have to walk i'm by not a weed saying store. it's a good or bad rule i'm just yeah. saying I'm, I'm just thinking about like being devil's advocate i mean if i'm if i'm a policy maker if i've been elected Oh, I know. You have the fear. They all have the fear about kids. No, but fair fair enough. I mean, like, you know, you don't want kids getting on drugs. I mean, cannabis is a drug, right? Yeah, but did you know that 33, like, doctors I I think they shouldn't have Starbucks across the street from playgrounds either. Well, there you go. But, like, and they sell (laughs) sugar and junk food to kids. Like, we we shouldn't be worried about kids. There you go. You know what kids want? You know what they want? They want to go to a 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. That's true. Which is just garbage. Yeah with a bunch of dyes and a bunch of artificial flavors and a bunch of sugar and salt and everything horrible all yeah. addictive and in there totally agree and yet Jody. parents aren't upset about candy bars being sold on every street corner I and that's sur- the drug the kids want here's an interesting <laughs> stat that would be interesting to know is how many kids in canada are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes more than than there are being um, hurt by the consumption of cannabis Parents are giving and alcohol their kids and tobacco combined. Energy drinks. Let's talk yeah, about energy totally. drinks. I mean, the seven people okay, just died in page. Canada from energy drinks. And so when we okay, start talking about, like, we, we need to just remember when we're talking about cannabis and kids, yeah. let's have some real context here. What's actually hurting kids? And it's pharmaceutical drugs. Doctors are giving antipsychotic medications and antidepressants to tiny little children and causing all sorts of problems. 
Yeah. They, they've increased but, the but prescription Jody, rate. We're here to talk about cannabis. And, True, I, and I agree. We could, but we, we need spend, to talk about what cannabis five is. <laughs> we could spend five hours talking about all the other injustices in the world for children. Right, but you need to compare. But you're an advocate for cannabis in Canada. Yeah, and um, I believe cannabis doesn't hurt children. And I think that all the hysteria around kids is just outrageous. And a child who accidentally eats or consumes weed is going to be far better off than if they accidentally consume well, alcohol accidentally, or any other substance in a sure, household. Sure, but I don't think that's the concern that a parent like myself would have. I'm not going to have a concern over if there's a little jelly bean thing that's got some cannabis in it, any more so than if there was a little slip of beer left right, in just my keep buddy's it beer. Up when you need yeah, to. Yeah, you, you got to do be the responsible parent. Exactly. But if my kid happened to take a, swip, a sip of my buddy's beer and I didn't know it, I'm not going to be too... My concern is more about my daughter being ex- exposed. You mentioned you got exposed to cocaine mm-hmm. at a young age. I don't know what age you were, but you know, if she's 11 years old, mm-hmm. whether it's anything, but we're talking about cannabis today. Yeah. And my concern is that, you know, what if we didn't have any of these rules? What if there was a marijuana store right across the a cannabis store right across the street from the mm-hmm. playground that she likes to play in and some idiot who's 18 years old trying to make some money you know sees my daughter and she's 11 and she's got some money in her pocket and he wants her money and he's like hey you know what you should try this out we need to take the money factor out. We need to make weed so cheap that there's no incentive <laughs> for people to sell it to others. I mean, again, that also okay. is a contributing factor. Well, that's factor. a good segue into taxes. Well, yeah, and it's like, and so it's important it to so note cheap. that. Like, make it something that nobody even really wants because it's just so, it is really just a weed and it grows in sand. It grows so easily all over the world. It's been growing with humans for centuries. We've co-evolved with this plant. So we, that's true. we have will, a relationship this is, this with actually, it. This is a good segue into my story about Bhutan. I all right. Was about Bhutan. <laughs> yes. So my wife and I, in our honeymoon in 2008 and 2010 and do you know where Bhutan is? Have you heard of Bhutan? Of course I've heard of Bhutan, yeah. yeah. It's right next, it's in the Himalayas, it's right next yeah, yeah. to Tibet. A lot of historical cannabis activity yeah. there. <laughs> is there really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. So we go there and we're on this this guided tour because you can't go to Bhutan. There's only, they only have something like 60, 000, no, six, six, yeah, 60,000 vi- uh, foreign visitors a year. Wow. It's not a communist country yeah. or anything. They have a, 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 a monarchy. Um, and a government, but it's uh, it's a very remote part of the world. Yes. I mean, it, you go. They they didn't have their first paved road until 1999. Why did you pick this place for a honeymoon? Because Is it symbolic? <laughs> no, I read that <laughs> this amazing. place had. The, there's this thing called the. You know, they talk about the GDP and everything. Yeah. The, this this is a there's a there's a. Um, a, a, a metric out there called the happiness index. It's oh, gross, right, of course. The gross happiness, yes, the I've GHI or something. You should look this up. And is it so, in a documentary too recently? Is this part of a documentary about the happiness project? I'm not sure. Okay, this, it's probably keep, keep in mind, this, this is nine years ago. We, right. So I read about the greatest, this this is the most happiest place in the planet. What a bunch of garbage is, by the way. So oh, no. There's a lot of miserable people there. Oh, no. But we're, and maybe they'd be happier if they were able to. So we're walking, <laughs> we're walking down this, this little pathway and there's like all this marijuana growing wild. Absolutely. And I said to the guy who, the guide who was with us, I said, this is here, Bhutan's gross national happiness index. Here it is. And it's based on these, <laughs> what is that? 10 criteria. What does that say, Ross? Yeah, nine, nine criteria, living standards, etc. So nice. we say to this guy, now I, I have virtually, I'm so ignorant to cannabis. I still am today, but even but more the so the leaf then. is recognized. But I recognize well. the yeah. leaf. And I said to my, <laughs> and so I said it. to the guide, I said, and my wife had smoked a little, smoked a little bit. She was a little more familiar than I was. <laughs> but I said to her, is it, Crystal, do you, do you think that's, that's marijuana? And she's like, oh, for sure it is. So I said to the guy, I said, do you guys have marijuana growing here? He's like, what's marijuana? I said, this plant here. He goes, oh, don't touch that plant. I said, why? He goes, oh, our government's told us we, we should never touch this plant. He goes, 
In fact, we as in high school, the kids have to go out with those sickles yes. and cut them cut down, down. <laughs> and they're growing everywhere. Oh yeah. And they don't even know about wild. smoking it. It's wild. They've it's been, all throughout. Um, yeah. It's also India. It's everywhere. The oldest remains of cannabis are found in China, like thousands of years ago, like real buds. And they've been using and smoking and burning it forever. Yeah. In India, they have the sadhus and they have um, bong, which is banglasi and has cannabis in it. So there's also a ton of history. If people are really interested in cannabis and religion and history look up um chris bennett he's an author who writes about cannabis and in fact a lot of religious history ties cannabis in is the burning bush and like it's humans have co-evolved with cannabis forever the hemp plant was used for um food and fiber we used to build you can build houses with it Mm -hmm. it's one of the most amazing plants in the entire world and we have a massive history with it so yeah it grows wild everywhere animals eat it uh, because you know, everyone's hearing about CBD lately, and it's because we all have a cannabinoid system in our in our bodies, in our brains, in our bodies. It's an endocannabinoid system, and cannabis has cannabinoids, and it's like a lock and a key. They just fit together perfectly. So cannabis helps regulate our bodies because we've evolved with it and we need it. And a lot of animals would eat it in the wild and be fed it. And it's it's been used in Canadian history forever too. You can look up Cannabis in Canada. It's a comic book by Dana Larson and it documents the entire history. Hmm. Um, it's been an economic crop for humanity forever. <laughs> so wow. yeah, really, we have a lot, we do so much to say about <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> okay, well let's dive into taxes for a moment, okay? we, we were, So the the, the business of cannabis is now becoming legalized, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's a, they did it well or not. I think you, in some strange ways, you and I are quite both critical of Justin Trudeau in the way in which it was rolled out. You, I, I actually think it was done poorly and they shouldn't have done it right away. Sounds like you are obvi- the opposite and you wish they would have done more, been more open about it and to, not as restrictive. Um, they're now taxing cannabis. It's a revenue source. You made mm-hmm. reference, so we should just make it so cheap that anybody can get yeah. access. Then it's no, then it's no longer fun or interesting. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts around the taxation of cannabis oh. in Canada? Oh, greedy, greedy governments <laughs> digging into poor taxpayers' wallets mm-hmm. and businesses. Um, you know, when we were, I've been campaigning for legalization for a long time, and one of the tweets I often said was, "Legalization means job creation. It means creating jobs in marketing, branding, production." research you know development retail tourism like you name it medicine isn't that all happening now not as much as it could be so what's really interesting about all this commentary but we don't have enough cannabis stores and we don't have enough cannabis supply it's like well we actually had thousand cannabis stores across Canada they were all raided by the Trudeau government Um, we have tons of weed supply it's what's supposed to be legalized you know it's bigger than fishing and mining and forestry combined or whatever the Fraser Institute always said. So cannabis is already here. We have enough weed. There was the point of legalization was basically, gosh, you know, all those tough laws didn't get rid of it. Weeds everywhere. Stores are everywhere. Everybody's growing it. Everybody's into it. 95% of all growers and sellers are peaceful, nonviolent people. Heck, these laws are stupid. Let's stop criminalizing it and stop wasting tax money on enforcement and allow these businesses to grow and pay taxes. But that's not what's happened. It's not what's happened. The government's made it so prohibitive and restrictive that only the really rich can afford to participate. So they hire the compliance lawyers and they hire all the advisors and it becomes big business where 
where only the wealthy can afford to play. So Why do you think that's happened? Well, what happened was back in the, the original cannabis law change came from people breaking the law, civil disobedience, having dispensaries and compassion clubs, getting charged under the law, going to court and saying, you know, I'm providing access to AIDS patients. And so we need access for these people because under the Canadian Charter, um, you can't be forced to choose between your liberty and your health. So what happened was medical marijuana patients who used cannabis illegally, because there's no legal access, uh, they would use it illegally. But what happened was that they get arrested and they get charged. So what ultimately happens is we go to court. There's all sorts of cases like Terry Parker and um, Allard is a more recent one. And there's all sorts of old cases that Mark Emery helped finance in the early days. He was the only one funding anything. But these legal cases said the government is forcing people to break the law in order to f be healthy and not sick. That can't happen. The government has to let them get legal access so they can have liberty and their health. So that started people being able to grow their own medicine. But for many patients, they're disabled. They can't grow. So they had to go to court and there's like, we need someone to grow for us. So that created the designated grower. And then what happened was these designated growers who are legal under Health Canada back in the 2000s, the early 2000s, you know, they're growing not just for their patient, but they're giving a little extra to this mom for her child with epilepsy and this granny with cancer. You know, they're giving more weed out to others and then they'd get charged. So then the court would say, yeah, but even though they're only legally allowed to give it to one, these other people need access too, and only one designated grower isn't enough for all these people. So the government, the liberal government of the time, miserable government, said, well, fine, they can grow for two people. So then we had to go to court again. So it's been this constant going to court and the government, including Anne McClellan of Bennett Jones Law Firm, also the task force legalization chair who profits from legalization when she was fighting against it and called medical marijuana a scourge before. But these politicians fought against medical marijuana and we've always had to go to court to demand access. So there was a company called Prairie Plant Systems in Flin Flon, and they had this mine underground where they grew really bad cannabis. And right, it was Health Canada. This, yeah. yeah, Health Canada was like, okay, fine. You need weed, here's weed. But it was so bad that the patients were saying, this is not the medicine I need, my medicine. I think the company eventually went bankrupt, didn't it? it well, it's kind of evolved, yeah. Okay. Prairie Plant Systems, I think it, Lauren yeah. Gurner, I don't know. There's some history there. But what but happened with the, mess, the yeah. Harper government in 2014 said, well, maybe it was 13, but they said, um, okay, so we're in court with these medical patients. We want to get rid of all of the right to grow, including Health Minister uh, Leona, who is now with the marijuana company, of course. She said no home growing, no marijuana for patients. Um, but then the Harper government said, okay, we're going to have corporations grow it so that it's grown by businesses so they can produce enough to send to more patients. There, You can't take us to court. There's your weed. Shut up. You know. Yeah. So that was a Harper move. And then that's when uh, the Liberal Party's chief financial officer, Chuck Rafici, decided, ooh, maybe I can get in on this. And same with a bunch of other people, liberal and conservative, who both thought, wow, wait a minute, big businesses growing marijuana, and they're the only ones allowed to do it, but all the weed that everyone else is currently buying is illegal. But if we legalize all that weed everybody's buying, then they won't buy from us. So we need to make sure all that weed everybody's buying at dispensaries stays illegal so all the patients have to buy from us. So these corporations were only allowed to sell marijuana through the mail. 
And medical marijuana patients said, that's not, that doesn't work for me. I need to go to a store down the street with a $5 bill and get a joint. Right. I don't have a credit card with $100 and waiting a week to get my medicine in the mail today. Sure. So this challenge, we're still in court. We're actually going back to court in November on the same damn issue so many years later. But the government just kept saying, no, medical is only through the mail. And these licensed producers grow it for the patients. But that's when the legalization discussion was happening. And me and many others were forcing the liberal government to make legalization a policy. It was the liberal membership at the 2012 convention in January that made it official policy. That's because the young liberals. So they made Trudeau say, fine, we're going to legalize it. But that's when big business said, if we get the government to make the laws really strict and really prohibitively expensive, prohib- prohibition, prohibitively <laughs> expensive, uh, only we can afford to make it poss- make the weed that needs to be legal. And, and then we get to control the market. And then everyone at the dispensaries will have to buy from us. So I've documented in another Twitter thread eight different news stories of licensed producers, specifically Canopy Growth, which I have a real bone to pick with. Um, but Canopy Growth which is Tweed, which the chief financial officer of the Liberal Party founded. Um, Canopy and many others lobbied the government and made it very clear they were talking to Bill Blair and going to events and lobbying the government and bragging about it, saying, you know, it was early 2016. And like, well, marijuana is going to be legal and we're the licensed producers of medical and we're going to be only recreational producers too. So if you consider that the weed industry in, B- in Canada is worth billions of dollars, but the government's going to shut down those people and give us that industry, we're going to be worth billions of dollars. So, hey, investors, we're going to go on the stock market. And even though we don't have a product to sell or any history or any experience, and we're mostly mining shell companies, we're going to go on the market and tell you that the government is going to shut down all the dispensaries and they're going to make us the only legal providers and it's a billion dollar industry so if you give us your money and invest in this company to build it up to pay for the insane costs of multi-million dollar facilities and security and compliance and this and that and if you make if you give us your money to pay for the really high costs you're going to make a shitload of a ton of money because That's the okay. laws Okay good the <laughs> laws are going to make sure that we cash in I grew up in Port Alberta Okay great and I play hockey. I'm really a sailor you shouldn't have said I could swear um, but but really what happened was all these uh, the government made laws that were so restrictive that only a few it's again supply and demand kind of thing restrict and limit access and that was the liberal man- mantra all along restrict and limit access to marijuana and Bill Blair went across the country over and over again saying, okay, cities and provincial governments. That's actually governments, in writing? Restricted? Over and over again. Restrict and limit access to marijuana. That's one of their top goals. So they want to restrict and limit it. And, to, and Bill Blair would go across Canada and say, be afraid, be afraid. You know, marijuana's coming. The kids, the driving, be afraid. And all this propaganda, the same propaganda the Harper government and prohibitionists always said, the same talking points gangs and kids and blah 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 it's like wait a minute this sounds a lot like prohibition and now you're announcing another 100 200 million for law enforcement here another 5 million there another 10 million there more laws more criminalization cracking down on the dispensaries and the activists like myself to force all the industry into the hands of a select few I mean so that's what what's happened and it's unfair it's really rotten and unfair and I you know I've been documenting this a well, lot Jody, so. I, I, I love your passion for this I do want to act as a bit of a and I don't, it doesn't mean I disagree with you but to be a devil's advocate here you said a little bit earlier that you believe in free market yep um, from my observation, I mean, what, where is this not allowed for a free market? I mean, you're saying it's only for the rich and, and well, powerful corporations, but I mean, really, you could 
you you could start up your own business. I mean, does it? Really I do have businesses. I've had many businesses. No, no I mean not you like, personally, but I mean just an individual. Yeah. Uh, that's got an entrepreneur. I mean, you know, if you've got if you own businesses, you know that it's it, like it's tough. It, it's it, hard to do, and I don't have anyone investing in any of the businesses I've had. I've had mm-hmm. to work. You know, like every small entrepreneur works, and I don't mind people. But investing. you don't have to be canopy growth to right. You can be build. a smaller business. Yeah. But then what happens is the government creates all these restrictive, prohibitive like excessive regulations well, could you make that the argument that they're, starve- they're I mean it sounds like you believe they're doing that because there's some kind of backdoor deals going on or something like that absolutely and I've been documenting them for years and okay. there's quite well, a let's, big we're gonna, we're gonna for your, another we're gonna time we're going to Twitter feed because <laughs> I love that because uh, I, I don't totally trust government myself mm-hmm. um, but at the same time I do look at it and go well like you know, maybe they didn't get it right completely, but isn't the whole sort of idea here to have some kind of safety standard regulations around this like anything else? So well, that you'd you, hope so. I mean, in the, the same way that standards like, aren't, they're failing. You know, Organogram is one of the big government uh, licensed producers. Uh-huh. They claim to be organic, but they started using mitocybucinol or whatever. And you, when you burn it, it turns into cyanide. So there's a bunch of veterans, Canadian right. veterans, suing them in court with a class action lawsuit that's been approved because they've been poisoned by Organogram. And Organogram is like super close to the New Brunswick government. And there's all sorts of insider dealings going on there. Mm-hmm. And then you have organogram uh, just recently caused Legionnaire's disease outbreak. But, but, and so, but, but, okay, and you well, get bad products, you example. get moldy products. But let's use get, this as an example. Isn't this exactly why we should have regulations? I mean, for example, there was that big corporation, I forget the name of it recently, that went, um, they were producing, they were selling... Was it Cantrust when they? Yeah, Cantrust. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. And Um, that's a big scandal. But there's even bigger one. But couldn't you make like? Isn't it a fair argument to say that well, because governments created this regulation, they're ensuring that there is a sort of a minimum standard of quality of care of proper Mm -hmm. stewardship that's not being just left to a bunch of people to and kind of have their own standards, right? Well, I would say uh, the cannabis industry as it existed so far had none of these complaints. Nobody was getting sick. Nobody was getting poisoned. Nobody was going to hospital. Nobody was being harmed because it, the cannabis market, the underground one, is the truest free market in the truest sense of the word because you have a bunch of people growing cannabis and when they want to sell it to a but dispensary... it also wasn't taxed. No, we, we charge tax. We paid taxes. Like tons of us really? paid. Oh, hell yeah. But we're you're not, probably the like, exception. I mean, you got oh, to admit, the majority of people of, who are producing cannabis. And again, blame government prohibition for making it so uh, so attractive to those who want to make a quick buck, you yeah. know? So when you make it that valuable through excessive prohibition laws, then people are going to cash in. So, sure. you know, it's the government incentivizing these people. But yeah. when it comes to dispensaries, if I am a dispensary and I have 10 growers come to me and they all have weed and some of it is moldy. I'm going to say no to the moldy weed guy. And if someone has good weed, I'm going to say yes to that person. And the guy who got the moldy weed, he's going to be like, oh, shit, I'm not going to do any business. I better bring some real weed that's good. Yeah, that's so free that's market. Like, I love that's that. That's real free market. And I'm telling you, the but real the same, cannabis the same, industry is like that. Like cannabis culture and other dispensaries, there's no way we're taking so, bad weed. There's the same, no way we're dealing with bad characters. So it sounds to me it's like... self-regulation. Do you, do, you believe, okay, do you believe there should be any regulation Absolutely, we need care, regulations. But, but I can okay. tell you that what for 10 years... The edibles makers that are illegal yeah. have been self-regulating already. They do medical grade testing. Do they have laboratory. Absolutely. Their standards are way better than the government's. And the actual consumers, the medical but, but, patients. But if you don't have regulations, if you don't have a requirement to get Do you trust the farmer's market? Do you go to I, the farmer's market and do. buy food? I right. Do you know how time. many regulations they have to abide by? 
Well, yes, there's no have. government official coming through and making for, sure they grow in a giant facility that gets Health Canada inspectors. They're just trusted. Well, they're not, trusted. Not, if not they totally. Do, I mean, they have the Fraser Health Authority has yeah, to make well, sure checks that they, in once in a while, but they're yeah. not going to people's kitchens and backyards and saying, put up a fence and use these chemicals and you're only allowed to do this and you're only allowed to do that and yeah. put it in a package like this and it's going to cost you 10 grand for that. But, I but, mean, but, the but selling apples at a farmer's market is not nearly as controversial as selling but, marijuana, it, is but it? But we need to change that. Cannabis is just a plant. Yeah, but, it's just but a but basic I, my, plant Going commodity. back to my kids, my kids can eat an apple. They're not going to, they'll probably Children shouldn't have honey. It's bad for them. Like it's, I I mean, we need to talk about other, about what this product really is. Yeah. How many kids are going around wanting to put buds in their mouth? The okay, bud- so let's say I make you Justin Trudeau today. Okay, well, maybe from before when he had major. <laughs> Your hair is better than his, I'll tell you that for sure. Um, so let's say you make you Justin Trudeau from 2015. He yeah. had a majority government. He could push through anything he wanted to. Yes. How would you, in a few sort of sh- sh- short I, moments, because I want to get into some stuff. How would you have rolled out regulation? I'm going to challenge you on these things along the way to make sure you're looking out for my three kids. All right. My name is Justin Trudeau, and I admit (laughs) that I use cannabis like many adults, and we need to treat cannabis as a normal product because all across this country, um, we have people who are um, using cannabis um, (laughs) to, you know, (laughs) sorry, Justin. Um, But anyway, but he he would say, he'd say we need to acknowledge that all those years of Harper conservative government propaganda and fear-based misinformation, we're moving away from that. We're going to use science and evidence-based policy which he did say, but he didn't follow the actual evidence. I don't know whose evidence he was looking at, but we're going to use real evidence and regulate this for what it is. Cannabis is safer than alcohol and alcohol causes all sorts of harms every day. But cannabis could be something that could revitalize our economies if we stop demonizing it and locking it up behind prison walls because that's what these factory farms are. I've been to prisons. I've been to licensed producers, very much the same. Um, you know, we could just treat it like a normal plant and be growing acres of hemp, wild and growing hemp that we could make into clothing and cars and housing. And we could really liberate the economic potential of this plant and make Canada a powerhouse in terms of tourism, research and development and leading the way in innovation in this industry. That's really good. Should have done that. But instead it was like, you know. That's well, good. good, Jody. That's a good pitch. <laughs> I love it. I, you almost have me sold. But we didn't talk about regulations. So regulations tell me this, going back to, to my be kids, reasonable. How are you going to make sure as the government that I've elected to ensure that my kids are not getting early exposure to cannabis? And how do I know also at the same time, people who are older and are consuming it are not just getting something off the street that's not regulated, it's not tested, it doesn't have any standards, and could be laced with all sorts of other things. Well, again, the, the licensed producers the of Canada, yeah, the licensed producers of cannabis in Canada, the legal ones, have recalls across the board for having contaminated products with mold and bugs and all sorts of pesticides and all sorts of inappropriate things. But isn't things. that proof that the system is working? Well, but they're not making quality cannabis. The quality cannabis already exists. The okay, people so who that's take, a different argument. But people then. who take, well, you can't, regulations don't force a good product. That's very true. Right? Like yeah, you absolutely. actually need people who care about something to create something good and the cannabis industry that already exists in bc is the best cannabis industry in the world maybe california we could have a contest with but like we are the best in the world for cannabis and that expertise and knowledge is not being celebrated or rewarded it's being 
regulated out of existence. So if you can only, it's basically like going to an artisan leather maker in Italy who makes craft stuff because his grandpa and grandfather all made leather goods and saying to him, hey, I love your product, but now you need to have a factory and you're going to need a $40,000 license and you're going to have to hire a bunch of lawyers to help you around the regulatory compliance thing. And we're going to need you to not put any logos on it. And you need to actually open up a factory farm. It'll cost you a cool $2 million, but go find some investors right. <laughs> and then you'll be allowed to do it. Yeah. Like that's not fair. That's ridiculous. Like you couldn't. So well, this what is, we've this done. This is where I'll agree with you, But Jody, that's what they've done to cannabis. Is that so. The problem is, I, so I, here's my view. I think you need to have, just like with alcohol, just like with tobacco, just like with. Reasonable with, regulations. Just like with pharmaceuticals. You have to, when pharmaceuticals are harder because not the average Joe can't just go make some drugs right. themselves. But you need reasonable but regulations. Reg- yeah. We need to be you reasonable You and I can go, we can go and ra- we can all go and produce our own batches of wine. Yeah. We can go to a U brew. I could sell a liquor to a bunch of people. Do you think we'll ever see a cannabis U brew Absolutely, equivalent? they're underway. Yes, are they? for sure. I'm, I think that would Many be people idea. are working on all these projects. You get to go and... But, but again, there's all these other problems and prohibitions. And one of the issues with taxation, for example, there are excessive taxes at every level. You have these mandated taxation fees put in place by government. Then you have the government creating middlemen that are completely unnecessary and only serve to degrade the quality of the product and the ability of consumers. What do you mean the middlemen? What are you talking about? So the liquor distribution branches. Huh. So in Manitoba, Manitoba did this properly instead of letting the alcohol the alcohol board control cannabis they said licensed producers of cannabis can sell directly to the stores so that created an advantage for some businesses like if they got one of the licenses which were very hard to get and there also happened to be a company that produces you know they're just printing gold right like they don't have any middleman there's nobody there so but manitoba at least said we don't need a whole government bureaucracy that we have to pay all these employees and nonsense i mean why just move it from where sure. it's being grown to where it's being sold why why make the middleman yeah. But here's the big ugly secret. I mentioned the Como case, which was the uh, Gerard Como. He was uh, in New Brunswick and Quebec. He took beer across the border, got in trouble, went to court and said, I should be allowed to move these goods. So Canada doesn't allow the prohibition of the movement of goods except alcohol across our borders. So the alcohol monopoly. trade barriers, which is brutal. It's insane. And it's Mm -hmm. for alcohol. That case was going to the Supreme Court of Canada when the cannabis regulations were coming into effect. And during that time, you had provincial governments like Kathleen Wynne in Ontario saying they were going to have government monopoly where only they could sell weed. So they would be the ones who buy it from the growers, the licensed producers, and they would put it in their warehouse and they'd put it in their own government stores. So that changed to allow some private retail, but the idea that remained the same that the Ontario Cannabis Store would be the wholesaler, the middleman, run by the Liquor Distribution Board. So when I was in the Ontario, the Supreme Court of Canada, rather, uh, Beverly's last day, um, we were there on the Como case and I was an official intervener with Cannabis Culture and all the dispensaries basically saying don't allow the alcohol control boards to control cannabis because then you won't be able to move it within Canada and help grow the economy. Um, But what happened is the Ontario or the attorneys general of various provinces and territories stood up and they said in effect you know alcohol revenue is one of our biggest revenues and it is across the board right Um, and in many places the harms caused by alcohol cause really significant healthcare costs. Really, you know, the alcohol is so dangerous that it causes a lot of health harms. Yeah. And the only way to pay for all that health harm is by taxi. selling it from the alcohol. So it was like this horrible <laughs> thing. And I'm sitting there going, that's so awful. You should just sell weed instead. But basically what we got a glimpse into is the fact that governments are addicted to alcohol revenue and tobacco revenue. So all they're yattering on about, oh, protect the kids and we care about your health. It's a bunch of baloney. Governments are addicted on pushing booze and that's why it's everywhere. And that 
that's why cannabis is a threat. Like throughout all the decades of activism, who financially opposed legalization initiatives? Big pharma, big alcohol, big tobacco, and big prison and big security. Because when people have a safer choice alternative to alcohol and opioids and pharmaceuticals, they go to cannabis. When people have a choice, they want weed. As opposed to alcohol? Yes. As opposed to tobacco? If people have a choice, like with a place where let's let's go out tonight and let's go have some drinks or let's go get high um, and smoke some joints and watch Netflix. I mean, far more people are Netflix and chilling right now than they are going out to the bars and dancing i think i think generation like we're just getting more at home but that's because people don't like alcohol has a lot of negative health effects and Uh everybody's there's so much addiction to it what are the negative health effects of cannabis Uh, there aren't really any i think the only actual negative health effects for ordinary people accepting the very very tiny percentage who are predisposed to mental illness um most majority of users even long-term regular heavy users the worst you have is a gum disease actually this is one of many studies that i've had because i've edited the magazine for many years i've done all the research on every issue from driving to opioids to all of it cancer um cannabis is beneficial for our health it's not harmful so when people are choosing cannabis instead of alcohol it's better for their health and that's why they want it so all across the board over the years in the u.s um big pharma and big alcohol are like oh my goodness people are using cannabis instead they're self-reporting that they're not using alcohol as much or opioids as much they're using cannabis instead but we don't sell cannabis we better get in on that so that's why the alcohol control boards are like okay if cannabis is going to be legal and we can tell the senior population is using it more instead of painkillers and and the average middle-aged population are using cannabis instead of alcohol we need to keep our revenue up and the government on the other hand is like we need to keep the money too so (laughs) that's why they're and even cops are like oh my gosh all our law enforcement depended on criminal cannabis and that's why for years the cops are like wait wait we need to figure out how to legalize it don't move too fast we need to figure out how to legalize it and i'm sitting there going what's to figure out you're not arresting people anymore go solve some real crimes like go for missing and murdered women like go do real police work but no it's the easy pickings of cannabis that have been justifying most law enforcement work for a very very long time so this is like a really deep rabbit hole and i've been studying it a long time and i have all the research for it but um, it's amazing this is i i'm i'm just soaking there's so much to, to say i'm gonna have to listen to this a few we times might need a part two <laughs> but um, uh, yeah taxes we need to reform yeah, that for sure so so do you believe it's fair to tax uh, the sale of cannabis? Reasonably. Cannabis? I think we should tax it like, like what is normal the tax products. Of cannabis today? Oh, it depends. Because again, each province has different rules too, right? And then... What is it in BC? I don't know these numbers. Because the government's not allowed me to do it. So I've been mm. shut out in every which way. But I know that there oh, was right. like... I, I guess think there was you, like... As, that's right. Criminal I, record were, holders. We can't the, really what be What do they involved. call it? Trusted in... There's, a, there's an exercise you have to go through if yeah. you want to become a... So if you if you had run a, security an, illegal, backgrounds, an, yeah. an illegal cannabis uh, operation, like a store... Like a dispensary, yeah. Dispensary. Technically, if you had, they don't let you have a legal license. So I'm okay. not allowed to have a legal business in most senses. So I've been locked out. What is cannabis up. culture? What is that? So 25 years ago this year, um, back before any activism really happened, Mark Emery was an activist from London, Ontario, who used civil disobedience to challenge laws like Sunday shopping <clears> bans <throat> and censorship against music, rap music, all sorts of stuff. So he would do law breaking to challenge 
challenge the law and change the law. And he came to Vancouver in 1994. Like he would intentionally break the law? Intentionally break the law. Like he'd so open up a store on Absolutely. Sundays he and, opened a bookstore in London, Ontario music. called City. Absolutely. He would de- 100%. You can look it up. He would go down. And this is in the long ago. He'd buy uh, two live crew albums from way back when. Nasty as they want to be was the cassette tape. For those who don't know, a cassette tape is a music format from long ago. And if you um, play it backwards, <laughs> you get some worshiping weird, the devil. devil. Yeah. Um, but so Mark would Mark advertise, group. I'm going to sell these records to challenge the obscenity laws. And he got charged by a cop and they were in court and they were reading out the, the lyrics. And it was so ridiculous that they said, this is stupid. We shouldn't have censorship of music. And he did the same when he found out marijuana books and magazines were illegal. High Times Magazine, illegal in Canada. So he was like, well, this is weird. I'm a bookseller and I don't believe in censorship. So what's this marijuana stuff? Like, what, what's the issue? I'm going to sell these magazines. So he kept trying to get charged. But by then, the strategy had grown old and the cops left him alone. But he, <laughs> but he came to he, Vancouver. He to find a new town, right? right? Nobody knew him. So he came to Vancouver and he um, started doing the same thing, selling these books and magazines. And he opened up a store called Hemp BC. Okay. And he started a magazine called the Marijuana and Hemp Newsletter. And he was the first to start putting cannabis out there and wearing a suit and saying we should like treat it like you need money to be an activist. He's like, all these broke hippies, you aren't getting anything done. You need money to make a movement, have an impact. I'm a businessman. And he is. He's a brilliant businessman. So he started making the magazine, selling vaporizers and marijuana seeds. And he said, when you shop with me, I'm going to use the money to finance activism. So to that effect, he did from 1994 to 2005. Mark Henry Direct Seeds was the only marijuana seed company where he'd sell anywhere in the world. But he stayed in Canada. But all the money was used to finance legalization activism. That's ballot initiatives in the United States, election campaigns, global marijuana marches, legal challenges. Mark Henry was the only money guy in the whole world who would finance the international movement and send the seeds. And his slogan was plant the seeds of freedom, overgrow the government. So Cannabis Culture was the name of the magazine. It changed from Marijuana Hemp Newsletter to Cannabis Canada to Cannabis Culture. And so it's the heading of a lot of things. So it turned into Pot TV was our video network. Then we have the BC Marijuana party bookstore which is now the cannabis culture store it's a head shop with like bongs vaporizers t-shirts all that and where is your store let's see this is a 307 yeah 307 west hastings street it's the cannabis culture headquarters at cambian hastings by the dominion building in victory square very hip neighborhood now very not hip quite a long time ago um but it's a a beautiful space yep we have quite a few so there's cannabisculture.com is our news website and then cannabis culture headquarters is the store cannabis culture lounge is a place where you can bring your weed and sit and smoke with people. And we've been doing that for 13, 14 years. And that's a major new frontier. We need to, that's where I'm really expanding into. Um, but Cannabis Culture started doing, well, Mark Emery, basically, he got arrested in 2005 by the DEA in Canada. That's the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration with Canadian government officials, the Liberal government, worked to have him arrested to face life in U.S. prison for financing legalization. And that was their wording. And they had followed him for years and they said he had no money left because all the money was made to give away so they said yeah we traced five million dollars so marijuana on him no marijuana and they wanted him to be a marijuana seller but he wasn't never sold marijuana only seeds and said i'm using the money for political reasons so in 2005 it was a huge crisis when the u.s government was in canada arresting a canadian for breaking u.s law when he never even went to the u.s people were like what the what like where 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 am i breaking the law abroad that i might be extradited to you know so this is a major sovereignty wow. issue and it was dragging so on for years Canadian, living in canada and, and breaking a u.s law yeah 
And the U.S. government come up their, into Canada with the mutual rules. It's with the mutual United legal States assistance and, treaty and the extradition act. And I'm very shit. familiar with this. So it was messed up. <laughs> yeah, and Ross, during that time, clean up our, our right? Be careful. Yeah. What are you tweeting online? Is <laughs> yeah, Saudi exactly. Arabia watching? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but for real, like this oh was God. a crazy time in 2005. So Cannabis Culture Magazine and everything, all the money was gone. The seed business so financed who everything. Your, your husband, who arrested the DEA him? and Vancouver Police, working really? hand in hand with them. Yeah. So or RC. No, he was actually sorry. He was in the he was in East Canada at a in a Halifax at a medical marijuana co- uh, rally, and the police had to arrest him out there, and they got him before everybody out here. So like it was a major to do. And if you go look up Did DEA, he know it was no, there's wow. like all sorts of weird. It was it was and especially like he expected maybe getting arrested. His whole history was many times being arrested, many times by the Canadian police and Vancouver police, getting raided, getting shut down, reopening. His whole thing was you can't stop me. I'm going to keep going so then they brought in the u.s police anyway facing life in prison we're in really hard times we work out uh, extradition court deal his two co-accused get no prison time michelle rainey passed away shortly after mark was extradited she had cancer uh, but mark was extradited in may 2010 by the conservative government so at this time i got promoted from the cannabis culture magazine assistant editor and i was mark's wife at the time too we had married in 2006 now i had to run our head shop and our lounge and there's no seeds no weed it's all legal well, even though books and magazines technically still illegal under 462.2, the criminal code. But anyway, I was doing all that and I had to visit him in the U.S. and run for office and do our rallies, including 420 and Were such. Were you ever nervous we'll about visiting your husband in Oh, the US? yeah, all the time. All the time. I got stopped at the border too many times uh, and somehow by, I don't know what grace of whatness, I somehow got through. But uh, many, that was a really tough time. So he served four and a half years with good behavior. So that was in Georgia, uh, Mississippi, and he was first sent to Seattle, Washington. So I visited him 50, 58 times. I spent five and a half months traveling, five and a half months behind bars, just in the visiting room, holding hands, like you're not allowed anything else. And so that was like a really eye-opening time. And I was working so hard just trying to get by. And meanwhile, like we're That's getting- crazy. And we're, mo- and uh, yeah, and I'm working, I'm four an official- and, years? and I was an official endorser of Washington State's initiative, which his prosecutor supported and I supported with BC's Attorney General Jeffrey Plant and Evan Wood, the Dr. Evan Wood of the BC Center in Excellence in HIV and AIDS. The four of us had a thing called Stop the Violence BC in 2011 and we held a press conference and my husband's prosecutor and me sitting together saying we need to legalize it because he had changed positions. So like all this crazy stuff was happening. Mark's in prison. I'm down in California for Prop 19 in 2010, which failed. Washington State Initiative 502, which passed. Lots of activism, speaking to the legislature in Washington Washington, speaking to the Canadian Senate and House of Commons, all this crazy stuff. So Mark is in prison. I'm working to legalize it. The government, the Liberal Party is saying they're going to legalize it. So all these dispensaries are opening up. And at that point, there's no debate. Cannabis is going to be legal. Weed stores are going to be allowed. Everything that's here is going to be allowed. It's the end of prohibition. So I was always joking, gosh, my job's over. You know, I have nothing to say. There's no debate. It's going to be legal. We're done. And then the messaging started changing. But Mark gets out of prison in 2014. We hadn't sold weed. We didn't have any dispensaries. I'd been struggling so hard, very broke, very hard times. Um, and all these dispensaries are operating. And Mark and I are doing a tour around the world because he's out and he's very famous and we're getting sent to places to speak. Um, but when we came back home, it's like, man, we are in dire straits here. We've got no work. We've got no jobs. All these businesses are opening up. 
what are we going to do? And I was running and owning and operating all the business. And I was like, we should just do a dispensary because it's going to be 2015, 2016. We need to, you know, we need a store. If they're going to be legal, we should be on the front lines. We've been the ones making it legal. Let's open a weed store. And every dispensary at that point was doing medical because that was legally protected by the courts in a way. But I was the first one to be like, okay, no. Okay, so if we, you were running the medical marijuana, dispensary, the me- medical still dispensary. Still illegal, but all sorts of weird gray zones. But you'd still zones. be able to get a license in BC? possibly no No. well it's so hard because like a lot of the medical dispensaries were illegal there was no licensing medical i mean you must know the community really well Well, vancouver's a weird bubble though because vancouver's licensing allowed dispensaries to exist breaking federal law when it was a conservative government the city of vancouver let medical marijuana related use mmru uh licenses go through but that's the federal do, law do you know now doesn't allow it. Who ran a medical dispensary in Vancouver? Who now is able yes, to they've run transitioned. A, you do, but okay. I do. Yeah. But the issue with that is they don't have the products that worked before. They're not allowed to sell it as medicine. Right. You're not allowed to say it's medicine. You're not allowed to um, actually carry the medical products. And all of the legal weed is so expensive, like double the prohibition prices, that the patients and consumers can't access it. So those legal, the legal businesses that transitioned are suffering and paying a mm. price. Um, but but the point being that medical marijuana dispensaries were the only ones that were open at the time and cannabis culture with me at the helm, you know, we had no money, but we had a brand name that's recognized worldwide. We have almost 3 million followers on Facebook. We're, we're huge. 3 interna- million followers yes. on Facebook? Yes. We're a massive international wow. brand, 25 years old, leading the way for the world and leading inspiration for people all over. And yet we got no money. We got nothing. I was going to say you're We're you're just broke, broke. So we got a brand and we have nothing. And you so have pulled the, we were the like, classic... Uh, <laughs> Barack Obama, when he was doing his fundraising in his first first time he was running for presidency, he's like, everybody throw in five The money bucks. bombs. We did actually a money bomb for Mark in prison. We needed, a, people. we needed a transfer for Mark and we held a 12-hour fundraiser online and raised like $20,000 or something online. So we have done, but again, for me, it's tough because I'm a businesswoman, but I'm an activist. Yeah. And being, you, you gotta be, you can't give 100% to one or the other, so you're never gonna be a superstar at business. Like if I was in, if I just gave up activism, I could I could probably be super rich right now and run a big licensed producer on the stock market with it. In fact, I'm I'm constantly wooed by these companies to work for them. Would you and ever do that? The right one. I'm working <laughs> on different ideas. So I'm not against investors. Investors, if you're listening, you. I don't dislike <laughs> you. <laughs> but well, I just, but but one quick thing was Canvas yeah. Culture. We opened up stores and I said, what happened is- So you started was, a dispensary. What I started was a franchise model. I basically oh. said, I got no money, but people with money want to open up stores. And they don't have a brand name, but I've got a brand name. So let's work together. And if you open up under our name, we're going to put money towards activism. I'm going to do with weed money what Mark did with seed money. We're going to change the world <laughs> by making an activism-based business. And so we started opening up all over the place. I had over 300 inquiries, and but it is still illegal. And so what happened with 2016, when we opened our first Toronto shop, that was when the Project Gator raids happened. That was the result of the lobbying of the licensed producers. So when I was saying earlier how big business was like lobbying government to make it really restrictive and to shut down dispensaries, that was effective. They did what they did and all the dispensaries got raided. And so suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, like this isn't going the way we thought it was going to be. And so we got raided and then I would reopen and be like, no, this is what legalization should look like. 19 plus, if you're an adult, don't lie about being sick. Don't come back after you've got cancer. Come in and talk to me now. Show your ID, get the weed, 19 plus. And if you got complaints, we'll fix it and pay your time. We pay taxes, we pay all the... So it was a beautiful model where it was like, I could help all these small entrepreneurs all across Canada 
open up their own store, reap the rewards, sell local cannabis grown by their own community, serving their community. What a beautiful model. And then the police arrested me in March 2017. So I was charged. What did you get arrested for? Um, conspiracy. Lots of conspiracy charges. I had like it's 100. Conspiracy of what? 180 charge. Well, because what was happening you had was 180 that, charges against you. I think 180 charges were dropped against others when I pled guilty. But I had like dozens of them. I had so many. It was all um, conspiracy to um, um, traffic marijuana. I think conspiracy to of to launder proceeds like all they just basically what they do is they throw a ton of stuff at you and then you have to work out a plea deal so and what was hilarious about me is that i never actually buy or sell weed i'm just a spokesperson (laughs) is it a photo or is that a click maybe we ran out of space because i'm so talky okay yeah but um, but basically, well, tell you what, why don't we why don't we use this as an opportunity? Let's take a yeah, quick break. a breather. <laughs> take this has been, a, but we're gonna keep. If you're okay, okay. We'll keep going. Well, as long as yeah. I have a phone call at four, but yeah. that's still okay. twenty minutes. Away, yeah. So okay. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna take a break with Jody Emery here. This is you're you're way more than just an activist. You are passionate. <laughs> this is awesome. There's we're gonna take a quick say. break and we're gonna come back with Jody Emery. Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, here we are back with Jody Emery. Not only are you a cannabis advocate. But you're also a uh, Marvel comic book yeah, character during the making. True, <laughs> I'm a superhero. Stay tuned for my Look next series, um, uh, defending our plant and our people against the oppressive nature of government. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. we only have a few minutes left. We are mm-hmm. going to have you come back in because it's been so interesting. Tons of fun. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about what you and I actually connected on initially. We should have found the, the Twitter feed, but on 420. Yes. Now I'm a big critic of 420. I I look at it and I think that whatever it was purpose was before mm-hmm. about trying to advocating for, you know, the the legalization of cannabis or whatever. My problem with it as a taxpayer and a avid user of the park system with my kids is the amount of damage that's caused by 420. Now it's not the only event. There's a pride does the same thing. Oh, well, I think they paved to pick clean up. But well, let's. You do. I want to. You guys do too. Uh, this I, is the problem. Is I like many people. Have, I get the impression. Yeah, the misinformation that, is so insane. Fill me in because my <laughs> observation is from when I look at the Twitter feeds of City of Vancouver yeah. and the Vancouver oh, police we get afterwards. Totally lied about this, and slandered okay, left, right, and center. So, <laughs> so you guys. So what you're telling me is that whatever damage is done. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question: Whatever damage is done to the grounds of the parks and whatnot mm-hmm. in the city of Vancouver and all the garbage I gotta say, tell you the amount of garbage that's mm-hmm. left over is insane I don't know why people have you seen this yourself or is this what you're hearing I'm, I've, I've, I've seen pictures I don't mean unless from a couple years pictures. ago yeah the false ones like where, 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 this is all fake where the news. city council actually tore apart the garbage bags and held a press conference and scattered the well, pile of trash I mean, no we like actually it sounds insane but it's totally true okay. I've got so, so much history on 420 so you're telling me that after on, on the 21st of April of next year 2020 it's always spotless if, if last year was, this year was spotless was it absolutely spotless I have all the tweets about it tons of it you found it spotless absolutely spotless so Check out when the field yeah, I don't was. Know, you and I are beacon off. Oh, Linda Steele started, and then I. Oh, said I know, and she and blocked me. And also, that's another oh. weird thing. Somebody made a fake account pretending to be me and called oh. her a Nazi. So she blocked me and told everybody I called oh. her a Nazi. So fake news alert. There's a whole oh, lot wow. of it out there. Wow, like terrible. so, 420. Here's a little history. Okay, it is. It is 25 years old. Starts as a protest. Is still a protest. We're saying that we need to legalize all cannabis and end criminalization. The event gets bigger because people love going to it. Um, in 2010, 13, we were at the art gallery. 
massive event spills out into the streets. The police and the city start saying to us, hey, could you guys get some toilets? Because all the surrounding businesses, all the toilets are overwhelmed. We're like, okay, we will do that. So myself and a couple other activists raised like $2,000 each, put it in together so we had 10 grand so we could get some toilets and hire some ambulances for first aid. Then the city, you know, we keep growing. The event keeps growing. And they're like, well, we actually need you to pay for more stuff. Like, can you pay for police radios and for the security plan? And can you pay for all this other stuff? And we're like, well, guys, we're like a free rally. We don't have a budget. Um, But okay, we'll find more money. So then we start selling uh, signs on the side of the stage, like asking our fellow businesses, even Nando's Chicken would be like people, they would sponsor the event. So we're like, listen, the city is asking us to pay for costs. And since this event is so huge, yeah, we better, we, we want it to be safe. So we start getting more and more requests to pay. We need to raise money. We're a nonprofit organization of volunteers and activists who donate our time. So the event gets so big at the art gallery that it's just, it's getting out of control. We have to move. Sunset Beach is where we choose to go to. Now, here's some facts. The 420 organizers work hand in hand with Vancouver Police, Vancouver Fire and Rescue, BC Ambulance, St. Paul's Hospital, Vancouver City Hall, Vancouver Parks Board, Vancouver uh, City Events, Vancouver Civic Engineering. All of these organizations we work hand in hand with every year. We walk through all the permitted activities and every year they give us a list saying, please get fences, please get security, please get first aid, please get this. Every year we say, okay, we'll do it. The costs have risen so high, but every year we get more and more money and we have to sell more. What did it cost this year, 2019? The event is huge. Um, I don't want to go into total details because Mm -hmm. we keep getting bills that were in discussions with the city. Uh, We're talking with the Vancouver police right now and they are agreeing that our cost for the event is 10% higher than any other public city event. So we pay for all costs except policing, the policing bill. But no other city event pays the policing bill themselves. They all get taxpayer subsidies to do it. It's called civic status. So from bike raves that got a quarter million dollars, wouldn't I love that? Um, To Pride, to Vaisakhi, to Fireworks, to all of them, they all get millions of dollars from taxpayers given to them to pay for the cost of putting on their event. 420 is the only event that does not get taxpayer subsidies or handouts and we pay for everything requested of us that we can afford from reseeding the grass to all the cleanup and trash cleanup to all the first aid we pay for all the toilets we pay for every available piece of ground covering to cover the field we pay a fortune it is an insanely expensive event for a non-profit organization so in order to pay so for a, that we have to raise money are we, are we talking ten thousand dollars no thousand hundred thousand no. two hundred thousand dana half half might have all the budgets but um half a million dollars Civic impar- Who's the Dana? 63 Who's Dana, Larson? Dana Larson is a longtime cannabis activist, part of the team, core team. He's been around longer than me. Okay. He and I are, and Jeremiah and Cannabis Culture and all of us are the ones who do the activism. So the cost is $63,000 plus. For for the Civic and Park Board stuff. Okay. So we pay for all of these expenses and we don't get any... Do you have um, to pay for the police as well? We can't afford it. Like there's a, It's a $200,000 bill and it's insane and no other event... Like that's why Pride events have shut down this year. That's why all these events are like, we can't afford the policing costs. So for all these public city events all across Canada are being, they're being canceled because the policing costs are too high, but they all get taxpayer subsidies. So we're the only event that doesn't get taxpayer subsidies. We're the only event that pays for it all ourselves. It'd be great to be a civic event. So 420 is big. One of the biggest events in Vancouver, in Canada, internationally recognized. We had over a hundred thousand. Yes. That's a city cultural event. It's a cultural event. It's no different 
different than Pride and Vaisaki and any of these car-free days, yoga on the bridge, bicycle raves, any of these events. They all, drinking Canucks games, all ages beer gardens for soccer matches. I mean, the city shells out millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars to all these other events. And then they turn to us and say we don't pay. Extinction Rebellion, which goes and basically sabotages a bridge for 24 hours, could eventually become also a civic event? Well, if the city wants to approve it and the city hands out money willy-nilly all over the place to different events. Maybe they shouldn't hand out money to any of these things. I would agree with that. That's what bothers me. I'm a fiscal conservative. I believe taxpayers are being built. We're being robbed left, right, and center in this city. The amount of money being wasted at City Hall, 20% of our budget going to policing, all this excess and waste and bloated budgets and nonsense I, and subsidies to stuff that does, it, it drives me crazy. So that's a that's another reason I used to run for office is because I want to fix all that stuff. It's amazing but when it comes, in common we do. People, people don't see and they don't, you know, it's funny. I can be in the NDP. So I I, I'm all yeah. over the spectrum, yeah. but 420 is a cultural event that is recognized internationally. That is an international holiday started in Vancouver. We should take pride in this event and have people celebrate it. So instead of us getting so much grief about it, I hope people will go and look at all the facts that we pay for for all the repairs and like okay, we don't so want Jody, to destroy that's a, those stuff. Those are really good points and thank you for that. But let me just ask you this. If I were to show up down at Sunset Beach on the 21st of April, are you telling me that the cleanup that's happening, if the, it's, not, it's not going pris- to be pristine. There's going to be garbage. Actually, what's fun is all the news but coverage. This year was great because go after all the... Year, you like, should. When is it? April but I took 21st. photos. We have tons of Give photos. Give me April 21st, 2020. You can even find me, Jody Emery. You can say Jody Emery Twitter. Absolutely. We went down and documented all the cleanup because every year we get the same grief and every year we prove everyone wrong. And my most favorite thing... I want to go down there with my kids. Please do because my most favorite thing about this year was when the media went down like, where is all the trash? Where is all the mess? And they interviewed residents and people going by were like I admit I am shocked it is so clean I am stunned and they said that over and over again all over the news I am stunned at how well they've looked after it so I went this year and collected all the praise we got we got praise from VPD the head cop tells me every year this is the best event in the city. This is the safest event in the city. The least incidents in the city. Really? 420, we get endless praise from VPD, from First Aid, even St. Paul's. Vancouver Coastal Health works with us to put up the 19 plus age limits on every booth. And every person who's setting up a vendor booth to pay for the cost of the event, that's why we sell the booths, to pay for the cost asked of us. But they all agree not to sell to minors. They all have age signs up. And anybody who breaks that rule is out. And the VPD are at our side to take care of any issues. So it's, it drives me crazy. I'm telling you, I lost 10 pounds. It's a great diet. I should probably do it again. But <laughs> 10 pounds in stress from a month of endless accusations that were totally untrue. Um, very, very stressful. But we keep trying to set the record straight. Okay, well, so thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot more we could talk um, as we get closer to 420. Yeah. Again, it's like six months it's away. On, it's on my, It's on a Monday this yep. year. So, so it's, maybe I mean, I'll go down there on the Tuesday with my kids and make yeah. sure we can go play in the park. No, you can. And yeah. here's the other thing I tell people. like Nobody's actually ever really at sunset beach it's known as like the goose poop park it's like nobody ever really goes there at that time of year and then here's the even better part every year local residents get a brand new field of perfect grass because we pay to reseed it so all summer long all that beautiful grass that every person enjoys in our city we're paying for it so you're welcome (laughs) but 420vancouver.com has lots of the info there's a website yeah with frequently asked questions and stuff if people want details is 420 something that's celebrated just in vancouver 
over the world. So, well, 420, the number has always been a weed number. But April 20th, Mark Emery and his Motley crew started it. We we actually have claimed to April 20th being the day of rally and celebration. Why is it it that day? What's unique um, about 420? Well, there's a lot of like background, but the the real story we've kind of settled that everyone settled on is there's a group of uh, guys called the Waldos in California and after school at 420 they would smoke and then when they were into Grateful Dead and they go on the Deadhead tours and then all on the tour would be like yo it's 4, 420 you want to smoke and so this started going amongst the weed people so 420 the time always a weed number one of our icons but then April 20th Mark's employees actually he's a real business guy Mark his employees who are hippies are like Mark it's April 20th what if we did like a 420 all day instead of just the time because he would let them light up at 420 to celebrate happy 420 and you light up so he's like all day long I don't approve of that you should be working you know and they're like come on <laughs> can we please do it and he's like okay fine and he paid for a little rally and it began to grow and grow and then YouTube came out and people started seeing these videos oh what are they doing in Vancouver and the Simpsons on one of their their episodes with the weed rally yeah it looks like Vancouver Art Gallery with no. the lions because they based it on us oh, so 420 cool. Vancouver it's something the we Simpsons, should Simpsons Marvel yeah it's so we should really take pride in this and that's why 420 should have a civic status and then we can you know make it more friendly and less difficult for people and on the day of 420 if you want to go to a park we are blessed in vancouver to have dozens of parks and beaches so (laughs) (laughs) well look to wrap this up i want to ask you about one more thing thing. you're obviously an influencer in this space um you have depending on who you ask these days (laughs) (laughs) well with 300 followers on facebook and 53,000 followers on Twitter. Well, you've had them I, all I up. would it's say you big. are well known in this space because when I told my team that I was having you come in today, everybody was super excited about it. Or they were excited when you... Oh, I know someone before, named Travis who's around here. There's a guy that I know, yeah. Right, yes, Sweet. that's right, you know Travis. Right, so okay, it's a look, small world, but it's um, good times. Despite, despite um, so many similarities, but also some differences, here's one thing I want to ask you about. I, I go down to Kitts Beach yeah. regularly with my kids. I've been doing it since my little. Actually, in fact, I used to take my daughter when when we lived downtown. We used to take her to. I used to take her to Second Beach Pool, but I go to Kitts Beach Pool every year religiously on Sundays all yes. summer long. Take my three kids swimming. Cool. And one of the things I've noticed in the last year, this su- this summer, is the smoke. amount of smoke uh, and, and secondhand uh-huh. smoke. Now, say what you want about, you know, tobacco versus cannabis or alcohol. Yeah. You got to admit. Be a that, respectful smoker. Right. Like that's all I want so people to be. So can you advocate for me, please? Absolutely. And be say respectful. Respect the, and respect the law. The law says you cannot smoke in Vancouver parks. Anything. It's not just cannabis. Fair the rules, point. The rules were there way before, way before <laughs> cannabis. Except if you're the fireworks and then you can coat the city with toxic okay. smoke for days. <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. But we're talking about cannabis. Smoke and your I, joints at Third Beach. Right. That's where the weed smokers okay. are. And, that's no, and there's no swimming public swimming pools. It drives me nuts. I mean, well, like, and, and my honestly, daughters like, are, and my son are getting changed, and the, and there's some bozo walking by, walking by, smoking a a, a joint. And, well, and, and I would be just as angry if it was tobacco. Yeah. But I honestly don't ever smell tobacco. But weed I smell is smellier. Weed. It's true. So to the weed smokers out there, please be considerate. Don't smoke around other people. Like when I'm smoking in a park on a path with my little ashtray, so I don't cause a fire. Like be responsible. You just don't blow it in other people's faces and it's just be be considerate we all need to be considerate but i'd also say that like young people 
they don't know what the big deal about pot is until everyone starts freaking out around them. So when the parents are like, oh my goodness, that smell, that's called marijuana. You don't ever want to smell that. And the kid is like, what now, marijuana? What's the big deal? Oh my gosh, I want to know. I'm excited. Everybody's all worked up. And then when your kids want to really piss you off in a couple more years, they know what they're going to do. So don't make a big deal about it. Make it normal and lame and just say to the guy, please, just not around the kids. Like, don't be, you know, don't be too rude. And if the guy's going to be a dick, then he's a dick. It's not the marijuana. It's just he's a jerk. So, you know, good. be a considerate smoker. We all need a lot more um, compassion and kindness in, in our world right now. So well, thank you for that, Jody. <laughs> this has been amazing Tons having you fun. on the show today. Excellent. Thank you thank for coming you for in, Jody. Me. <laughs> if you want to follow up, Jody, your your Twitter handle, which you use quite a lot. Yeah, is it's all over everything. J-O-D-I-E and E-M-E-R-Y. Like Jody, like Jody Foster, if anyone remembers what. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and if people want Emily. to check out your store, it's called Cannabis, Cannabis Culture. Culture Headquarters. Yeah, and the lounge and the store and Cannabis and Culture News. Uh, Hastings and Canby. So that's our headquarters. Um, every other place got shut down by court order, but we're back in court in November for that. And same as it ever was, you know, <laughs> fighting the man for li- liberation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again, Jody Emery. It's been a pleasure having Sweet. you on the show. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very Thanks. much. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs>